Hello, I'm Philip Brain. And I'm Harry Clennon. And you're listening to Reflections by Spectacles. Today we're going to be talking about an insight that Harry wrote about the worsening situation with Tunisian democracy and the question of whether sanctions, a traditional solution to this sort of situation, really work. Yeah, so what I talked about largely did a little bit of a recap of what's gone on since the insight that I wrote uh, a little over a month ago about Tunisia. The president of the country has suspended the Tunisian parliament. Initially, he said it was only going to be for 30 days. And then just a couple days ago, he announced that the suspension was going to be indefinite. As any sort of, I think, reasonable observer sees, you know, things are, are on the wrong track here for democracy. And it's a difficult story to watch. I spent some time in college studying the case of Tunisia, and I followed it pretty closely um, since I was studying it. So it's, you know, I've been I've been paying attention. And, and as, I, as I've mentioned in the previous article and in this one, they've been having a lot of economic problems. Unemployment rate is very high. Uh, they've been having a lot of problems with COVID as well. And then there's also just been continued corruption, public corruption. So that's sort of the, that's, that's the groundwork. But then I also discussed this opinion article by a, a professor at Harvard named Noah Feldman, not to be confused with Noah Rothman, my personal Twitter arch enemy these days. Um, don't look through my Twitter history and, and see me get ratioed by his followers. But anyway. Um, uh, that was a dark day on Harry's Twitter. That was, a, that was a dark day on my Twitter, but I stood my ground. Anyway, so. No, uh, Rothman is a hack anyways. He is a hack. And he's, you know what? I What I said, I'm not even going to repeat it here. What I said was not called for, except for the part where I said he was one of the dumber pundits on tv right now that i do not take back anyway noah feldman different wrote a piece in he's a he's not an a hack to be clear yeah he's a very well-credentialed law professor at harvard so not yeah. a hack so he wrote a, a column he's a he's an opinion columnist for bloomberg news basically saying comparing a little bit of a comparison between what's going on in afghanistan right now what's going on in tunisia the focus is tunisia right his his the, the he says that afghanistan was sort of inevitable what happened in afghanistan was inevitable the project of building democracy was doomed to fail but that's not the case in tunisia and it's a, i think generally a pretty good column if you don't know what's going on in tunisia well first you should read my insight on it and then if you want some additional context you should read his opinion column and towards the end of it he sort of hints kind of indirectly uh, that he thinks that the United States and the international community shouldn't hesitate to use economic punishments or sanctions on the president of Tunisia, Kais Syed, to try and get him to restore the parliament, bring it back into session. Yeah. And economic sanctions are a very, very frequent tool of modern foreign policy, modern statecraft. Frequently, countries, especially the United States, will leverage sanctions upon countries that are enemies or are doing, you know, supposedly, you know, breaking trade rules or those kinds of things to try and bring them back into line. What we would think of as what we would call comprehensive sanctions or sanctions that target the whole of society or large swaths of a society, including citizens, in, in effect, including citizens, are no longer in vogue because they introduce pretty insane levels of material deprivation on citizens. And, so, and a lot of times these sanctions are framed in like, well, these autocratic leaders are bad because they're bad to their citizens. Therefore, we're going to sanction them with these comprehensive sanctions as was in the past. And those comprehensive sanctions have the result of basically making life a lot worse from those citizens, which we claim to be trying to help. The stated goal of sanctions is frequently like we're going to, you know, push. It also, it also has the tendency to, in that country, if the United States or other actors weren't already 
popularly viewed as enemies. Comprehensive sanctions tend to produce that kind of sentiment. That's actually a very good point, and I'm going to bring another quick other example here. You don't generally, you're you're not going to be generally a big fan of trying to become a democracy like America when America is right Um, totally brutalizing you. Yeah, I mean, one example would be Iran, where we had the JCPOA, I don't remember what the acronym is, the Iran deal. And we had sort of established we were not friends with Iran, but because they had they had elected a generally more moderate president and a, and a more moderate cabinet, we had had better relations with them from, you know, like the like the three years that the Iran deal was actually in effect. And then um, Donald Trump withdrew from the Iran deal and imposed what he called a maximum pressure sanctions campaign. And lo and behold, I, the I, Iranians... I, I will ruin your economy, have done it before. Yeah, yeah, right, exactly. As a result of those of those of that maximum pressure campaign which actually i guess was probably comprehensive sanctions so we still do use comprehensive sanctions the donald doesn't have a lot of subtlety yeah no kidding in the iranian elections the iranian people elected a, a hardliner who campaigned against you know the united states for its maximum pressure campaign so uh, case in point anyway comprehensive sanctions in a lot of cases are no longer invoked the united states probably still uses them because the united states loves to use sanctions um, but probably the most united other states countries is a great big hammer and yeah everything in the world is a nail. everything in the world is a nail the rest of the international community i think generally speaking doesn't like to use so-called comprehensive sanctions anymore and they've used, moved to something called smart sanctions um, which is the targeting and again the united states does this too targeting of specific individuals or maybe a small sector of the economy or you know leaders or potentially like elites who might turn on the leaders if they're faced with the pressure of sanctions for example if you wanted to hit russia with russian elites with targeted sanctions you would target the russian state-owned oil companies right, right. things like this yeah. that are going to have particularly strong effects against those with power in the country yeah. to do something exactly and as i point out in the article the evidence of these working is is mixed they don't induce the same level of humanitarian strife that comprehensive sanctions do and specifically I'm, I'm relying on a on a an academic article by daniel dresner who's a professor of political science at tufts university professor of international relations and those smart sanctions lessen the humanitarian impacts, but don't have much going for them. Don't in seem the to way help a lot. Of yeah, they of, just hurt less. Yeah, but that's there's you know there's maybe something to be said or for that. They um, hurt the wrong right, people less. Yeah. So the the evidence is mixed. They could work better, perhaps they might work in some situations, but the evidence is very mixed. So of them being like a like a magic bullet. So sort of the point of the article, correct me if I'm wrong, seems to be that sanctions are an easy and a long-standing solution to this kind of a problem. Yeah. They're a go-to. Yes. Right? But that they don't actually work that well, so we need to... Or when they do work, they work with massive cost to a citizen population. Yeah. So we need to just... We need to think maybe more creatively. And I want to draw on the fact that Noah Feldman's article was comparing Afghanistan and Tunisia. Right. Because we wrote about Afghanistan. In the case of Afghanistan, the attempt at nation building that went on was the standard playbook for nation building, like we have a standard playbook for sanctions. Mm -hmm. Standard playbook for nation building essentially amounts to give lots of money on the conditions of holding elections and other yeah. things like that. Yeah, I think that's probably right. And that's what we saw in Afghanistan. I mean, the elections were in many ways... And we also just pointed guns at them and said hold elections, basically. That's not fair. Totally fair. But 
kind of. Uh, yeah. And then you'll also get money. Yeah. And But what we saw in Afghanistan was totally, you know, botched elections in recent years and recent elections, just complete farces right. in many ways. Yep. And yet the money just kept rolling in. And we yep. talked about how this is emblematic of the fact that nation building doesn't work because what it does is it basically makes the government accountable to these foreign cash cows more than the, than the domestic electorate. So that's a problem. Right. And then in Tunisia, when you have the case of a democracy falling apart, the go-to answer is take away the money. Yeah. Right. And so you see, you see that when, when we're trying to build democracies, our, our, our go-to solution seems to be just pump money in. And when democracies are failing, it's just pull the money out. Yeah. Right. Deprive. Right. And I don't know. It seems to me that it would make a lot more sense in the case of Tunisia to have done a year ago mm-hmm. pumping money in to right. help the Tunisian democracy overcome the particular strife and period of difficulty that was being caused by right. COVID, yeah. right? To help that democracy through the tough time yeah. rather than waiting till it starts to fail and then punishing it. Right. Well, I they mean, do get a lot of, I mean, no, Feldman points out, they do get a lot of international aid money. Yeah. But there are problems with that. For example, they've had a couple, they've been, they have been in the process of negotiating a deal with the International Monetary Fund. In the past, they have taken loans from the International Monetary Fund, but the, the IMF, sometimes used to do a thing a lot more in the past, but still will loan money to a country conditional on it basically cutting public spending, which its historical practices have been categorically bad policy. I think in past years, they've sort of owned, tried to own up to it and say, we want to do things a little bit better. But in Tunisia, they're doing they're, it's the same old playbook. And in a country that's experiencing massive unemployment, cutting public spending seems to be... A great idea. Yeah. No. <laughs> um, a very bad idea seems counterintuitive well, but to me. they go hand in hand, this idea of sanctions and also the IMF's idea of cut public spending and also the domestic American tendency to cut public spending for situations like this, cut welfare spending. It has been a thing that we've been doing since the 80s and a lot in, 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 in a number of times. Yeah. All these things go hand in hand with a worldview that says, if you don't have the right stuff in the domestic case, if you're a citizen, if you don't have the right stuff means if you don't have the money to support yourself yeah. in the foreign policy case, it means if you don't have a democracy that functions, and you just take, the well, then out. we're just going to hurt you. If you don't, if you don't have the right stuff in these cases, yeah. the go-to answer has been punish, right? Punish until you pull yourself up by your bootstraps and do the right thing. Yeah. Yep. Um, Which I mean, the fact that our nation building strategy is built on this belief that you need a bunch of money to make democracy work. Right. I mean, money and also to, like military. I mean, in the case of Afghanistan, military yeah, occupation. Yeah. yeah. But, um, but a big part of it is the idea that money is required to build a democracy and make it function. And that includes public spending. Right. The fact that we have that. And then we also have this sort of punitive sanction tendency See, there seems to be some it's level kind of, of dissonance yeah. <laughs> there. It's kind of incoherent. Yeah, I mean, it's tricky. I mean, I think everything is right situationally dependent. For example, in Tunisia, 
the Genesian people rose up against an autocratic leader and established a constitutional democracy. Excellent. On there, right, that was, that, that came from, that was a grassroots thing. I mean, that really came from, that came from within. Right. And if you look at Afghanistan, it was imposed from the outside. So you imposed, you, not democracy, but you impose a transition to democracy-ish kind of thing from the outside. And then you back a regime. Again, as you noted, the elections were not, really you know they're not proper democratic they were not proper democratic elections in afghanistan while the u.s was there but you see sort of it, it wasn't that they were like wasn't like the u.s was in there rigging them no no, no. it was just that well they're logis- alle- logistically they're kind of allegations of that but i don't i can't i can't verify but them logistically right there were complete disasters because the infrastructure to hold the elections was so was such a mess yeah but anyways yeah so it's interesting right i think like you know, if there is a lesson to be drawn, I think with Tunisia, you see a democracy came to being organically. And then I think the, at least in my view, the proper tool of economic statecraft and foreign policy there, if you're pro-democracy, is to help them develop that democracy right. with the kind of they've done they've, they've done use. the hard part, right? Right, um, overthrowing the previous right. regime, right? right? Rather than something like Afghanistan. Afghanistan is a, is an example, totally in the in the other direction of, you know we invade your country, we stick around for 20 years, and we hope somehow that a democracy comes out of that. It seems to be the example in the opposite direction. So maybe there's a positive lesson there as well, which is like, here's what you can do, as well as negative lessons of what not to do. Yeah. And not only is there some dissonance between those two policies, this punitive sanction and this sort of nation building strategy of just pump money in, it also reveals just how lazy a lot of the U.S. foreign policy, pro-democracy policy consensus has been. Yeah, that's a good point. Which is just money must solve it. Money or the military. Send the troops in, give them cash. Yeah. Send the troops in, take their cash away, take the troops out, take their cash away. Some combination of troops and money going in or out seems to be the catch-all solution for every situation of either building, protecting, or punishing yeah. a, a a failure of democracy, right? And you know, I'm I'm not a professor or you know the kind of person who knows the answers or has an idea, a clear idea of a different strategy for how we can build democracies in other countries. You know, there are ideas floating or help around. Them build themselves, yeah, or help them build themselves. But it seems to me that you could be a little bit more creative. Yeah. Right, you could think a little bit more outside the box than cash and guns. There yeah. has to be there has to be something else there yeah. that you can do. Yeah, I mean, I think I I do think or at least cash applied in least, the right way seems to or be at least yeah change up the better. way that you use them. Yeah, from this um, punitive from this punitive regime to something yeah. else. Yeah, yeah. So it's a, this two very sad stories. Yeah, it's tragic stories with lessons for sure, with important lessons. So yeah. You know, I think it's important for people to know when they, you know, go to the ballot box and stuff like that, and they think about what a candidate says their foreign policy is going to be. What do you want to hear from them? Yeah, if Um, you care about democracy, not just here, but elsewhere. Also, one other thing I wanted to touch on before we close is there's another interesting sort of theme continuing between this Tunisia-Afghanistan comparison, Mm -hmm. where in Afghanistan, we try to we try to come in and build a democracy. Now there is evidence in Afghanistan that there was a popular desire 
in a lot of the country for democracy. Mm-hmm. It's not like we just went in and said, you're going to have it even though you don't want it. Right. There, there was popular desire right. among a lot of the country to have democracy, but it wasn't established from the ground up. Right. In Tunisia, you see it established from the ground up. Mm-hmm. But in Tunisia, you also see, like you noted in the article popular call for the president to dissolve the parliament yeah it was almost torn down as well or it was permitted to be torn down right from the bottom up as well because there was such a failure and so i think there's just there may be things that the u.s could do whether that's sanctions or something else right to help protect the tunisian democracy yeah or help restore or help them develop it But I think one of the points that you've got to recognize, and this is maybe a point where I disagree with Noah Feldman, is that there's very little the U.S. can do for Tunisia at this point. Once popular desire for and will to support democracy has faded, I don't know that there's a lot the U.S. can do to reinstill that. That's true. That's a very good point. And it's a it's a testament to the fact that we need to be not just more creative but more proactive because right. the situation in Tunisia had been the elite accountability and behavior had been going I mean, you've written about this before I don't think for spectacles but in the past elite behavior had been causing some real trouble for Tunisian democracy yeah. for years now and then this economic crisis that had been going on has been going on for the whole life of Tunisian democracy. I mean, yeah, it was, and it's gotten exacerbated by COVID, right? Right, but and now we're talking about how do we save Tunisian democracy? We should have been talking about how to save Tunisian democracy years ago. Yeah. How to protect it? Yeah. How to help them develop right. it? How to, help how to get it on a really yeah. solid footing? And so it's a lesson. The U.S. has this tendency, I think, in its foreign policy to be reactive, right? And I think that we need not only more creative foreign policy, particularly to support and promote democracy, but more proactive policy. Yeah. And not that I want to get super deep into it here, but I think that that's one of the major points of difference between Chinese and American foreign policy that we're seeing play out. Things like the Belt and Road Initiative, very proactive initiatives by China to promote its power in the world and its influence. Right. Whereas the U.S. has been spending the past five years yelling about how do we respond to China? Yeah. You know, and that is a symbol that's emblematic of just, it's not a good sign for the future of American foreign policy and its effectiveness in promoting and, and restoring and helping democracy around the world, I think. Yeah, right. And I think it's also important to note here, you know, from what Philip and I've been saying, what you want to get out of this is like, we're not, we are the furthest thing from, I mean, I think there's like a nasty tendency to point at people who are critical of, you know, past U.S. foreign policy and say, well, you're, you're an isolationist. You want to withdraw No, from not the world. at all. We don't want to withdraw from the world. We don't think that that's, that that's, that is, that that's Unwise. what the United States should, know, should do. There's, there's the things like being a good neighbor and, you know, being and helping, you know, cultivate self-government around the world in ways that are not at gunpoint and in ways that are, that 
work with movements like in Tunisia that have already developed democracies that have already emerged and then helping them along as they go through that process. You know, I mean, the, what we're, we're not, we're not isolationists. We just think that, that I think the U.S. needs to be more proactive in its policy for Christ's sake. Right. Yeah. I mean, engagement is not the same. Th- I mean, engagement can take place under different circumstances. I guess if we have a criticism, generally, I think we both tend to agree. I mean, I think we, you and I have diff- certain disagreements about foreign yeah, policy, definitely. but where we agree is like, it's the problem is that the current form of engagement is not doing anyone in any good not in the u.s not, not on the ground in the countries where the u.s has put you know troops or where it's yeah. you know stripped them of you know material and that, well-being and that criticism that criticism doesn't mean either that we're isolationists or that somehow we think the u.s is inherently a negative influence in world politics right which some people particularly on the left tend to believe right the u.s has the potential to make to help make the world a better place right but we haven't been doing anybody any favors right for the past while yeah and so we've got to take a step back and think how can we really help yeah how can we not just rely on the same old playbook from the cold war right but how can we think more creatively and how yeah. can we really make a difference that's that's positive right and that's hard and it's being and it's been treated in many ways as if it isn't hard yeah as if it is easy formulaic mad lib style stuff right and it right. isn't yeah yeah so that's about it right yeah that's all for today if you enjoyed consider subscribing to spectacles in conversation for episodes like this between harry and i from bird's eye and reflections If you'd like to read or comment on the article that we were discussing just now, there'll be a link in the show notes to our website, where you can also sign up for our newsletter if you haven't already. And if you'd like to listen to each new article of focus and insight read aloud, there's also a link in the show notes for Spectacles Out Loud. Thanks for tuning in. Thank you.